0: This is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and on SiriusXM Channel 80. What is good with you on this Tuesday? You know it's good. Joe Fortenbaugh and Freddie Coleman together in for the guys on Fitz and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance. Thanks for joining us on ESPN Radio as well as the ESPN app, SiriusXM Channel 80. And don't forget to tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. You're going to blink your eyes, and it's going to be Kansas City hosting the Detroit Lions to kick off the 2023 NFL season on that Thursday night, the first Thursday after Labor Day. We get closer and closer to the season, and helping us do that is our man Jeff Darlington, ESPN, NFL reporter. Always great to get us ready for the NFL season. Jeff, it seems that Saquon Barkley has kind of put it out there and hinted that he might not want to play in the franchise tag because he wants money and a long-term deal from the New York Giants. What do you think ultimately happens regarding the contract this season at Saquon Barkley with the New York Giants?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's a really uh, intriguing storyline heading into this next month because July 17th is the deadline for teams to negotiate long-term deals with players on the franchise tag, meaning um, up until July 17th, he can continue to negotiate. And likely, it'll likely happen in the days before – um, when everybody will kind of come with their last best offer and figure out where things stand. And that's when Saquon will have to make the decision of, you know, on jo- starting July 18th, it's either sign the franchise tag or hold out and don't play. Um, and that's where things get especially tricky and, and potentially sticky. Uh, we know what happened with Le'Veon Bell in that situation. You know, you know he held out. And, you know, I, I think I saw recently even Bell said, I don't know that he said that he, exactly how he mishandled it, but I think that in retrospect we all sort of recognize that it probably wasn't the best way to go. So um, if, he, if he doesn't want to take the money that the Giants have on the table, he's likely going to have to play this year on the franchise tag and then you know, hope, to, hope to hit free agency and not get another tag next year. But, uh, but that's where things stand right now.
2: Jeff, what's the latest on two big names that are out there as free agents right now, DeAndre Hopkins and Dalvin Cook?
1: Yeah, both sort of in the same space. Um, I, it's, it's essentially a waiting game until training camp. And I would say that is, you know, we know Hopkins visited with the Titans and the Patriots. A lot of people feel like the Patriots are the potential front runner there. Uh, I will say Hopkins also has a good relationship uh, with the offensive coordinator in Tennessee from their time in Houston together. So I, I could see it going either way. But from Hopkins' standpoint, he was like, well, there's no incentive for me to sign right now. I might as well wait closer to training camp, you never know what could happen. Um, If a team steps up and has more of a need than they do right now and want to pay the money, uh, they could do that. And I would say similarly with Dalvin Cook, um, probably more so toward a team like the Dolphins. You know, we know Cook is from Miami. We know the Dolphins were one of two teams that tried to trade for Cook this offseason but couldn't get the compensation right with the Vikings. So I would say for both guys, they're like, well, if no one's throwing money at us, there's no real reason to sign at this point. We know we could probably go to the Patriots and and the Dolphins, Hopkins to the Patriots and, and Cook to the Dolphins. So um, I still think those are probably your front runners, but uh, I would say probably not until the start of training camp will we see any movement there.
0: Jeff Darlington, ESPN, NFL reporter, hit him on Twitter. Jeff Darlington joining Freddie Coleman and Joe Fortenbaugh and Fitz and Harry on ESPN radio. Real quick, Jeff, who do you think gets signed first? DeAndre Hopkins or Dalvin Cook?
1: Honestly, you could crapshoot 50-50. Um, uh-huh. I think that Cook to Miami makes the most sense from an incentive standpoint for Cook because he's from Miami. I mean, he grew up here. Uh, I'm saying that. I'm in Fort Lauderdale, so I talk about <laughs> talk about like I am here. Uh, <laughs> he, he grew up down here. Hopkins doesn't have the same connection to New England, you know? I mean, in fact, Bill O'Brien is the offensive coordinator there. If you're looking for a reason not to. I mean, those sure. guys didn't exactly get along awesome in, in Houston. So... I'll say Cook for Miami, and I would say it just because, to me, it makes so much sense, especially for Cook.
2: Let me follow up on that real quick with something Dan Orlovsky said yesterday regarding the Jets and Dalvin Cook. He said they shouldn't be interested in him because they already have Brees Hall, but Brees Hall's coming Mm -hmm. off an injury, so what do you make of that?
1: I don't know. I mean, do we know that Brees Hall is definitely going to be healthy? I think it's reasonable for the Jets to consider Cook, but I'd also say I don't know that – I mean, if a team was going to step up with the money that, that would lure Cook, I think they would have done it by now because mm-hmm. they know otherwise he's likely to land in Miami. So to me, I, I think we would know that by now. Um, you know, I, I, or I'm not necessarily, I don't know if Orlovsky's, um, if Dan's point is, is the same as mine. I just think that if he was going to sign with the Jets, he probably already would have.
0: Jeff Johnson does a great job reading the NFL T leaves as an ESPN NFL reporter with Joe Fortenbaugh and Freddie Coleman and Fritz and Harry on ESPN radio. Speaking of get up, boy, they had a lengthy discussion this morning on getup. That on the Cowboys closing the gap on the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC East. In your opinion, Jeff, who wins that division? Will it be back to back with the Eagles or somebody else?
1: That's when you know it's almost July. We need
0: camp.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Points. <Man>. Well done. <laughs> Come on. Like, uh, look, that division has driven me nuts for years. Like, we talk about that division so much, and then they do so little. And now the Philadelphia Eagles have vaulted themselves to, to the heights of the NFL and deserve their place there. There is one team in that division that is a championship contender, and it is the Philadelphia Eagles. Until the Dallas Cowboys prove otherwise, they are not.
2: Final question for you. Two quarterbacks that we're keeping an eye on in terms of long-term contracts. Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, Justin Herbert with the Los Angeles Chargers. Any movement on that front now that Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts are both signed?
1: Uh, movement, but not a ton. I think, you know, most of the time these deals do get done, like a Mahomes-type deal gets done in mid-July, uh, Josh Allen. Those, those deals usually happen around this time. I would say any day now for either guy. The most interesting thing to me with Burrow, Burrow has said publicly that he's already told the team the kind of structure that he wants for his contract that would be best both for the team to acquire players and for him, which makes me wonder, is this going to be more of a Mahomes-type deal? You know, the 10-year team-friendly deal that, that looks like a huge number and likely gets negotiated each year, you know, depending on how the cap looks. So to me, that's the biggest question mark you know, or I would imagine like Herbert, for instance, will be more of like a Jalen Hurts. The framework is there; just do the deal. Uh, I'm curious to see because of uh, Burrow's comments if that becomes something a little bit less traditional, uh, which I could definitely see happening. Burrow seems like the type of guy who would want that, um, you know, Mahomes type deal just to kind of set him up for, for years to come.
0: Like we mentioned, he's a great follow on Twitter, Jeff Darlington. He is Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL reporter. Always gracious with his time. And it's honestly about being close to July and training camps when it comes to discussing the NFL, joining Freddie Coleman and Joe Ball <laughs> right. on Fitz and Harry. Always oh, a pleasure, J.D., man. Take care and be well. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate y'all. By the way, you always hit us up on Twitter. Joe's handle, Joe Fordenball. My handle at Coleman, ESPN, part of Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. And, yeah, I'm a Cowboys fan. I can't see anybody else other than the Eagles winning that division, not because they won the last year, Joe, but – even the additions they made in the offseason, signing Jalen Hurts, fortifying that offensive line, bringing people back, adding running backs and defensive people, uh, they're the class of the NFC on paper right now. It's close between them and San Francisco a little bit, but they're still the class of the NFC. I
2: think the gap between Philly and Dallas is a lot closer than most realized. Okay. And I would say I think they're both, both good. I think the issue with Dallas – Dallas, to me, has always been—they're a bet on in the regular season, and then when they get to the playoffs, that's where Mike McCarthy tends to get overwhelmed. But in the regular season, he's won 12 games each of the last two years. They can win. Kellen Moore leaving for the Chargers, and now McCarthy takes over the play-calling duties— that's a little bit troubling to me because when McCarthy didn't have that responsibility on his plate, he still mismanaged the clock, his timeouts, and game management situations on a regular basis. So, if you were already having trouble with those decisions and now you're adding more to your plate, I'm not sure how that gets any better. That said, looking at Philadelphia, while they should be a Super Bowl contender, there are a few things that worry me. Okay. Number one, something that we refer to as injury luck. There are teams. That each year either suffer a extraordinary rash of injuries that derails the season. Think about the Baltimore Ravens. I was say the two years Ravens ago. last year,
0: yeah, exactly. And
2: last year as well, so many injuries. And then there are teams that are just very, very fortunate. They're very fortunate to avoid the injuries that happened to Philadelphia last year. People will point to Hertz because he's the quarterback and how he missed a couple games. The reality is they were extremely healthy last year. Yeah, very difficult to have that happen two years in a row. So I think injury luck's a potential problem. Number two, while good. I don't think Philly was as great as we saw last season. They played nobody, Freddie. That schedule was the easiest schedule I have ever seen in my entire life. They were blowing out everybody. And when they got to the playoffs, they got a soft Giants team who wasn't necessarily ready for prime time. Then they got the Niners who were playing Christian McCaffrey at quarterback. <laughs> yep. Then they got the Chiefs, and the defense couldn't get any stops, and they blew it in the second half. So very good, but I don't know if they're elite. I think the gap between Philly and Dallas is closer than people realize. Okay,
0: You know, that's a fair point, especially the Dallas Cowboys. You know what kind of defense you have. You get any kind of running game, and Dak Prescott being like the Dak Prescott we saw when he was a rookie when he lit the league on fire, and led the Cowboys to the division championship, and they were a great Aaron Rodgers throw from getting the NFC championship game. If you see any semblance of that, uh, that gap may not be a gap. Maybe even Steven involving both of those teams contending in the NFC East on the Dallas Cowboys and the Washington Commanders. He's Joe Fortenbaugh. Freddie coming in for the guys today on Fitz and Harry. 15 minutes from getting, I want to say intentional, when it comes to the <laughs> New York Mets and 2023. I'd like to call them now the New York Uggs. That's in 15 minutes. Big deal. Ryan Seacrest about to replace Pat Sajak as host of Wheel of Fortune. Not a big deal. Anytime a Kardashian opens their mouth, we're having other stuff to the big deal, not a big deal table. We'll do that next on ESPN Radio.
3: Fitz and
4: Harry, the podcast. Making headlines.
0: Extra, extra, read all about it. But is it a big deal or not a big deal? With Joe and Amber. No, we have we know how to tell time. We have not lost our rabbit behind minds here on Fitz and Harry. Joe Ford and Bob, we stole him from Joe and Amber. I'm Freddie Coleman. They stole me from Freddie Fitzsimmons. Thanks for joining us on ESPN Radio, as well as the ESPN app and SiriusXM Channel 80. Joe, this is a segment that you and Amber doing your show Monday through Friday on ESPN radio from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern time. For those who haven't heard it or those who know it, explain what big deal, not a big deal is.
2: We're going to bring in producer extraordinaire Evan Wilner from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. That would be James Steele to come on and host the segment going around the world with sports or non-sports topics to find out if we believe, Freddie Coleman and I, if these are big deals or
4: not big deals. Sounds simple to me. Let's start with uh, Blazers GM Joe Cronin released a statement saying, I met with Dame, that's Damian Lillard, and Aaron Goodwin this afternoon. We had a great dialogue. We remain committed to building a winner around Dame. Is that a big deal or not a big deal, Joe? That's not a big deal. That's a whole
2: lot of nothing. That's exactly what you would predict that comment to say when it comes out after that meeting. They gave us nothing. They're committed to building a winner. Great. Is that actually true? Why is he? I would like to know why he was in the club with Welcome to Miami playing in the background. Can we get an Mm -hmm. answer to questions like that? Has he asked for a trade but not made it public yet? What is actually going on? Being committed to building a winner? That's great. Right up until tomorrow when you deal him and say, well, things change in a hurry in the NBA.
0: Just like the line from that Star Wars movie, every day, more lies. it's lying season. <laughs> Anytime somebody is saying something, they're pretty much lying. Joe Cronin had to release a statement. He was not just going to let it be put out there that representatives, that Damien little met with his representatives to decide his future, what's going to happen. Of course, he's going to put out a statement. That doesn't mean that A, he's telling the truth, or B, that he's telling the truth. That's why it's not a big deal.
4: All right, Ryan Seacrest has officially been named the next host of Wheel of Fortune, replacing Pat Sajak. Big deal or not a big deal, Joe?
2: This is a big deal. This is a very big deal for two reasons. Number one, how selfish is Ryan Seacrest? Does he have to (laughs) host everything? Yes, he does. Does he have to host everything? Is there nothing this man (laughs) will leave for someone else to try to make a living? He hosts everything. Uh I find it to be unacceptable. Number two, it's a big deal. (laughs) Because this is one of the greatest jobs on planet Earth. I ranted mm. about this last week. I'm going to do it again. Pat Sajak was making $14 million a year. That's before you factor in the roughly $15 million a year he's making from licensing his name and image to the Wheel of Fortune slot machines. That's $30 million a year minimum yep. to work four days a month, nine months a year. That's right. He flies into L.A. every other week to do two days worth of tapings, and then he's done. And in the summer, the show is off completely. Four days a month times nine months, Freddie. That's 36 days of work Mm -hmm. hosting a show very casually looking good for more than $30 million a year. It's the greatest job on earth.
0: Yeah. And they say athletes make too much money. I give you Pat Sajak. (laughs) Of course, it's a big deal. And I I go back to something that Ryan Seacrest said when CBS Sunday Morning did a feature on him when somebody said that, well, people say you're too vanilla. He said, well, yeah, I'm like vanilla ice cream. And vanilla ice cream goes with everything. That is Ryan Seacrest's career in a nutshell. He's been able to go with everything. Nobody should be surprised. He's going to take over Wheel of Fortune replacing Pat Sajak.
4: All right, guys, this is a little bit of breaking news that I'm going to throw at you. Steve Cohen, the Mets owner, just tweeted like two minutes ago, I will be doing a press conference tomorrow before the game. You will get it straight from me. Freddie, is that a big deal or not a big deal?
0: Well, since we're still a ways away from July 4th, and I don't think he's throwing a backyard barbecue inviting Mets fans, this seems to be a pretty big deal to me. Because when the owner decides to make a statement like that and put it on social media, making sure that everybody is going to see it, and he did not name his general manager or his managers a part of that press conference, that seems like a pretty big old deal to me, Joe Fortenbaugh.
2: What's what's ruthless about this is that he puts this out today and he's not speaking until tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So everyone has to think about whether or not they're getting chopped for 24 yeah. hours. I mean, from what I understand, if anyone's ever watched Billions, Bobby Axelrod, oh, yeah. that character is based on Steve Cohen, Steve is Cohen. it not?
0: Yes, it is. You're so, correct. yeah,
2: someone's head's going to roll because Bobby Axe would not tolerate this performance from the New York mm. Metropolitans.
0: He might wind up firing a whole team. We may have the Mets <laughs> farm team being in, in place by Thursday. Stay tuned. <laughs> yes. Yes.
4: All right. Gender reveal. Uh, This guy, they, they did a gender reveal and the guy's celebration was to get into a stance like an offensive lineman after it was revealed that it would be a boy. Is this a big deal or not a big deal? I would say not a big deal, although I very much
2: enjoyed it. That's why it's hard to say whether or not it's big. Like, this is hilarious. They pop the whatever these things are. Blue smoke's flying everywhere. Congratulations. Hopefully it's a healthy baby. It turns out it's going to be a boy. He starts doing crazy pass protection shuffles back and forth. They're all very excited. They're very happy. I'm going to change my opinion. It's a big deal to see people happy in the world
0: today. Here's why it's a big deal. If that turned out to be pink, I guarantee you he's not doing that. (laughs) The reason that it's a boy because he thinks, I'm going to have a football player built like me. If that had turned out to be pink, there's no way that is getting in a stance and doing blocking drills and hand techniques like he's about to be the next great offensive lineman in the National Football League. If that was going to be a little old girl that he was going to have, he'd have probably started crying, got a Barbie doll. There's no way he's doing that if it turned out to be pink instead of blue.
4: He definitely wasn't getting into a stance <laughs> to be a running back. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't dropping back a no. seven steps and looking downfield. No, down he field. was not Although he, he should have been after seeing some of the quarterback contracts that have been given out this yeah, offseason. Yeah, that's very true.
0: But, but he knows his lane, and he was in it, all in it.
4: Yeah. Uh, Kevin Durant's back on Twitter. He was hopping into uh, Twitter space over the weekend. I believe he was debating fans on whether or not he's a top five player of all time. I don't really care if he's top five. Is it a big deal or not a big deal that Kevin Durant is back to his online social media presence? I would say
2: big deal because I like the way Durant interacts with fans. I think the last few years when he left for Golden State, there were a lot of people that said, well, he was just chasing a ring. If you can't beat him, join him. And then he left Golden State and was a bit contentious. And then Brooklyn and Phoenix, people look for ways to take shots at him at every turn. Sometimes he makes it a little bit easier than he needs to, but ultimately he gets a lot of criticism. People forget how cool this guy is. Do you remember back in, I think it was 2011 during the NBA lockout, he was, like, just showing up everywhere, doing random things. Playing he showed basketball up at
0: the Rucker, absolutely. showed up at Rucker,
2: yep. and he went nuts. He was playing flag football at mm-hmm. Oklahoma State. They asked him on Twitter if he wanted to play. He drove over to Oklahoma State and played flag football in this, uh, I think it was a fraternity flag football league. Like, Durant's a pretty cool guy, but I think people have forgotten it because they get caught up in some of the other stuff. But I love the way he interacts with fans.
0: Yeah, that's why it's not a big deal to me because I applaud what he's able to do. Some, some people get too sensitive, and, yeah, he does get sensitive. sensitive. You can't go at Kevin Durant and not expect any kind of return fire when it comes from him. But that's why it's not a big deal to me because he should be able to do whatever he wants to do. Just because he plays basketball for a living should not dictate how he wants to live his life, whether it's on social media or not on social media. So that's why it's not a big deal to
4: me. All right, one more, guys. Eagles wide receiver Devin Allen ran the 110 hurdles in 13.04 seconds. That is the fourth fastest time in the world this year. Big deal or not a big deal?
2: Yeah, I I think I'm going with big deal here as well. That's awesome. I mean, that is incredibly fast, and hurdles looks like something that I would screw up very (laughs) quickly and very often. So for (laughs) the dudes who figure that out, it is impressive to watch. I don't really know from a context standpoint what that time means. I mean, fourth fastest in the world. That sounds pretty good to me, Freddie Coleman.
0: Put it this way. It's not just a big deal. It's a big flying deal because I guarantee (laughs) if you're running that fast, your feet aren't hitting the ground a lot other than just jumping over the hurdles. I mean – that kind of time the fourth fastest in the world by an nfl player i don't know if he has olympic designs but i know if i'm an olympic team person from the united states i got mr allen's name on my radar to have a chance to qualify for the olympics joe ford freddie coleman together thanks for joining us on fitz and harry on espn radio as well as the espn app series xm channel 80 and always tell you a smart speaker to say play espn radio you just heard from evan will producer That the New York Mets are having a press conference tomorrow called by their owner. We're going to ask a World Series champion exactly what should that mean? That's next. Fitz and Harry,
4: the podcast.
3: Taken the opener of this four-game series, dropping the Mets eight
4: games under the
1: 500 mark. Disappointing for everybody in this room. I know it's disappointing for the fans. We just gotta <laughs> just keep trying. Anxiety sometimes sets in. We got to work through that.
0: Joe Ball, Freddie Coleman, in for the guys today, and Fitz and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance. Thanks for joining us on ESPN Radio as well as the ESPN app. And since X and Channel 80, it's time to get intentional and nobody does it better. Then the co-host of MLB Network's Intentional Talk weekdays from 5 p.m. Eastern time, plus MLB Network will have the Yankees and Athletics tonight, Astros and Cardinals tomorrow night, part of the Network's International Week. He is Ryan Dempster, MLB Network analyst, won a major league championship meaning the World Series back in 2013 as a member of the Boston Red Sox. Ryan, Mets owner Steve Cohen tweeted in the last 10 minutes that he is having a press conference tomorrow to get it straight from him, whatever that straight is. What mess do you think he is sending out to his team?
3: Um. I, well, probably. I don't know. To be honest, with you. I mean, <laughs> it's his team. He's, you know, really. You know, what I mean it's a, it's like his team. He. I think just the fact that he's having a press conference, I think says a lot. It's whether that's support, whether that's there's going to be a change, whether whatever that is, uh-huh. it's, it's good that he's he's saying it because everybody's wondering, right? And and ultimately, it's his team. He he owns the team. He can do what he pleases. And uh, and I know he wants to put a winner there. You know for the Mets fans and and for the, for the players and they want to build that environment. So hopefully it's something really positive.
2: What's the biggest problem with them right now? And is it something that can be fixed before the end of this season so they can get this thing back on track?
3: I mean, that's going to be, yeah. I mean, of course everything's fixable, but you you start to run out of time right? Um, as, as much as you want it. You do as you start getting into now we're almost to July and, when you're 16 games out of first and you're chasing three teams, not one, but three. And by the way, the Braves are really good. The Marlins are really good. Um, The Phillies have a chance of doing it. The Phillies need to do the same thing the Mets need to do. So you run into that juggernaut. Um, I I don't know. I don't know what they do. Uh, You know, I kind of like went went off a little yesterday just on the fact that they aren't playing very good. And this isn't like a secret. I wish it was better for them. Like preseason, that's my pick. I believe in that team when you look at their rotation, and what they have there. And then you look at their lineup and for whatever reason, they're not getting it done. What combination of I mid mean, cues on the field, you know, bad base running and, and things like that. Um, not, not getting those clutch hits when you need them. Um, it, it's, it's been, it's been a great cause for the most part, I mean, you know, early on in the season, but for the most part, now they've been healthy and they're still not winning ball games, and they got to figure out what it is they need to do. They got talented players in there. I'll tell you that man, really good, world champion caliber Hall of Fame players in there that, that should be capable of getting it done.
0: Hit him on Twitter at Dempster46, 40, Ryan Dempster, Major League Baseball analyst with Freddie Coleman and also Joe Fortenbaugh and Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. I thought when Edwin Diaz suffered that torn ACL, Ryan, in the World Baseball Classic, you could just feel that whole thing go through that organization. What is it like when something like that happens and you lose a wipeout closer like that that affects everybody in the organization? We've seen it manifest itself right now.
3: Yeah, you, that's that's hard, right? Because you you have all these high hopes. It's a, it is a definitely a deflator. It's like putting a, you know, undoing a balloon, and the thing almost gets all the way flat, and you got to figure out a way to tie it back up. And, um, you know, David Robertson early on. I mean, God sent for them because they didn't have him closing games out. Who, Oof. you know, who was going to do it? And <clears throat> but to lose a guy of that caliber, who basically you know is going to help you win the ball game in the ninth inning. But let's also be honest, like that's not why they've been losing it's not been blown save after blown save in the ninth inning they haven't been scoring enough runs and um and unfortunately been getting up too many and, and playing defense that isn't necessarily what they're capable of so so yeah losing somebody like that's tough but listen this is the big leagues okay and there's mm-hmm. 29 other teams who don't feel sorry for you true um they don't they don't care who who you have on the injured list they don't they're worried about themselves and trying to beat you. And if you have somebody out that that's to their benefit, great. So you can't feel sorry for yourselves. Like we went through that in Boston on a different scale. We didn't have a light though closer, but at the time we, in 2013, we had traded for Joel Hanrahan and got him from the Pirates, and he was going to be our closer. Blew his elbow out, Tommy John. Andrew Bailey goes into that role, hurts his arm. Can't Alfredo Aceves closed for a couple games. And then all of a sudden we get Koji Uhara, who, by the way, if you look up his 2013 season, was arguably top five reliever season in the history of baseball. It was ungodly what he did. But that didn't happen until two months into the season that he became the closer. So you never know where it's going to come from. And that, that's why we always say it's up to the players. The players are the ones who play. So it's up to somebody to step up, get an opportunity and make the most of it. And maybe they have somebody in there that can do that.
2: Ryan Dempster, MLB Network analyst, joining Joe Fortenball and Freddie Coleman here on Fitz and Harry ESPN Radio. To the Yankees we go. Aaron Judge said recently he has a torn ligament in his toe, and while manager Aaron Boone expects him to return this season, he he could miss the rest of the year. What does that do for the Yankees when it comes to navigating the AL East and possibly getting to the postseason?
3: It makes it harder. You know, not have Aaron Judge in your lineup. <laughs> yeah. reigning MVP, one of the most pure hitters in the game, if not the most feared hitter in the game i mean that's you don't you don't replace that so you got to figure out a way to generate offense without that um you know and that's up to aaron and his team putting the lineup together and then ultimately it's up to the players to go out there and, and perform don't try and do too much it's uh, you only can control what you can do so yeah if the thought of losing him like and toe injuries suck i've been there i broke my toe falling over a dugout rail one time so mm-hmm. it's uh No fun, you know this little this little thing. I remember all my hockey player buddies were in the in the playoffs with the with the Blackhawks, and they're like, "Wait, you're out you're out with a broken toe? Seriously, what's wrong with you?" I'm like, "Sorry, you guys play with broken legs and no teeth. I get it." But for for a guy like Aaron Judge, I mean, your base is your legs, and at the bottom of your legs are your feet. If you can't push off the swing or run, it's, it's painful and the game of baseball is better with him back in there, so hopefully he's not out the whole year.
0: How did that happen to you when you suffered that injury over a rail?
3: Dude, it was so funny. So we just beat the Brewers, and I'm at the old dugouts at Wrigley. They had these short little fences, and you could sit up on the kind of cement part of the the dugout that's right. been there since you know the 20s, and and we win the game. And I go to hop the railing. It's, it's literally like three feet high, and my foot catches, and it and it spins me like. Super fast, and my toe goes straight down. Like I landed on my chest and my face, and my toe just goes straight down into the turf. Ow. Well, I get up, and Derek Lee, my, my teammate of 12 years, I love D. Lee, he never showed much emotion on the field. Like he always had respect for the other team. He didn't, you know, he didn't get too excited out there. He's horse laughing at first base because he sees the whole thing happen. And he's just laughing at me. I'm like, you jerk, you know? And he goes, hey, <laughs> dude, how funny was that? Are you all right? I go, no, I'm not. I'm not all right. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's broken. And, and the best was the next day. On the cover of the Tribune, it's Cubs Sweet Brewers or something like that. And and there's this kid, and they show all the fans above the dugout. And there's this one kid in his mouth agape, and he's pointing at me. And I'm laying on the field. It was just hysterical. I still got the newspaper. Wow. Gotta be careful Sorry, with dugout dude. railings, guys. They're not... You just got to be careful. They're not as, as low as they look or I can't jump as high as I think sure. I can.
0: And be careful of teammates who ma- masquerade themselves as friends laughing at your pain when it comes to Derek Lee and what he did to you as far as that
3: goes. You got that right. Hey, I thought we were friends for a long time. And then about year 12 into our teammate relationship, he told me he could. He knew when I was picking over to first base. I go, you're telling me just now that you know that? because well, I never knew if I'd get treated. I hope you're listening, Derek. You're beautiful up there in Idaho. I hope you're listening
0: right now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You can get much more of this when you catch our man Ryan Dempster, MLB Network analyst, part of MLB Network's Intentional Talk weekdays from 5 p.m. Eastern time. I Had a chance to get a chance to know him when he pitched for the Hudson Valley Renegades back in 1995. It's really cool to see what he's been able to do from there, being a two-time MLB All-Star World Series champion and a great follow on Twitter, Dempster46. Ryan Dempster from the MLB Network joining Freddie Coleman and Joe Fordenball on Fitz and Harry. Ryan, keep doing your thing, my friend. Always great to catch up with you. and You take care. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me on. Enjoy your day. You, know, you too. Ryan. <laughs> what did what a story. It was. As soon as he said that, Evan gets out of here and oh, we got to hear that. And he did not hesitate to deliver when it came to, like I said, sometimes your closest friends can be your closest pranksters <laughs> or enemies when it comes to Derek Lee and Ryan Dimster. Joe Fortenbar, Freddie coming in for the guys today on Fitz and Harry. And the Portland Trailblazers put out a statement saying that they're committed to building around Damian Lillard. Well, Joe says these words, don't you believe it. That's next on ESPN Radio.
4: Vince and Harry, the podcast.
2: One, two, three, 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 three. three. three is a magic moon. they're committed to building a winner great is that actually true why is he i would like to know why he was in the club with welcome to miami playing in the background can we get an answer mm-hmm. to questions like that has he asked for a trade but not made it public yet what is actually going on being committed to building a winner that's great right up until tomorrow when you deal him and say well things change in a hurry in the nba
0: three hours later So what kind of flow with it is it going to be for Damian Lillard and the Portland Trail Blazers together or apart? Joe Fortenbaugh, Freddie Coleman in for the guys today and Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio as well as the ESPN app. Series XM Channel 80 and tell that smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. Joe, it's out there, according to a statement from the general manager of the Portland Trail Blazers that they are committed to building around Damian Lillard. Joe Fortenbaugh, I know you have these words for people. Don't you believe it. (laughs) (laughs) So,
2: if you're the Blazers, one of the avenues of thought you should be employing at the moment with what to do in regards to Damian Lillard should be the following. If we keep him, how many avenues of success are in front of us? How many different ways can this go well? We talk about this on Daily Wager, ESPN2, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern weeknights. Boom, that's how you plug. When we break down uh, MMA fights in the UFC. Can a guy win more than one way? Can he win on the ground? Can he win standing and striking? How many avenues, how many paths to victory? Right. Baltimore's going to have a lot of that this year in the NFL. They can run you down. They can play defense. Lamar's going to be able to throw it. That's a good point. How many avenues to success does Portland have here if he stays? Because it feels to me, if he stays and they say, all right, we're making another run at this. If you open the season 8-10, and Mm. problems. Mm -hmm. If you get to the all-star break and you're the ninth seed, problems mm-hmm. there are so many avenues where this could go south versus if you deal him bring in new picks yeah. move on and that's just that if he goes in balls people are cheering for him because they love him in portland if he goes and he doesn't succeed well you got rid of him at the right time and you brought in some assets there feels like more path to success are available to the blazers if they move on from him rather than keeping him
0: one of the things about that if they're going to commit to- Damian Lillard for the long term Joe then you got to bring in somebody else the question is who is that somebody? Is Carl Anthony Towns disgruntled enough in Minnesota because that's now Anthony Edwards' team when it comes to Minnesota Timberwolves because that Anthony Edwards' bad mother shut your mouth that kid from Georgia it is now his basketball team and he showed that because he was the best player on the floor for the Minnesota Timberwolves against the Denver Nuggets. If you're going to commit to Damian Lillard with a youth movement then you're just wasting everybody's time and Damian Lillard has wasted your time and vice versa when it comes to Portland. If you believe that you're going to commit going forward, then what other moves are you going to have to make that can convince Damian Lillard that, yep, they are in it. They're all in. They went out and got a guy that I know that can be with me until these young guys get ready. And when they're ready, we're going to be ready to win a championship sooner than later. Right now, that person is not out there. Anybody that you could potentially want is either staying with their team, but not also is not a superstar robbing enough the goal to Damian Lillard. So I know if I'm Damian Lillard, you can have all the meetings with your representatives and family members. The question is, what are you going to do? If you're saying you're going to stay in Portland, then we don't want to hear your sob stories if you're trying to win with teenagers like he said this year when he said, I'm not trying to win with 19-year-olds. We get it. You're 32 years of age. You average over 32 points per game at career high. We understand that. Nobody's going to hold you and hold your feet to the fire. But if you're going to commit to Portland stay there and you're in the same situation next year and you're creating the same soap opera story, nobody's going to want to hear that from you, Damian Lillard, a year later.
2: Look at how it played for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Early on when he was disgruntled with the Packers a few years ago, Everybody overwhelmingly sided with Rodgers.
0: Absolutely. Rodgers
2: was a star. Rodgers was an MVP. Rodgers was a Super Bowl winner. Every time we watched them draft a random cornerback or a random linebacker at the end of the first round, everybody sided with Rodgers. Right. Get the guy more weapons. And then the next year, it was a problem for Aaron Rodgers. And then the next year, it was a problem. And it just wore on everybody mm-hmm. to the point where Green Bay basically said, We're done with this. Absolutely. They move on. He gets shipped out, and no one's sitting there feeling bad for him anymore. No. no one's siding with him. Everyone agreed that the organization needed to move on from Aaron Rodgers, and now he's with the Jets. And you could tell Rodgers did not like the way that that ended. He comes out of the darkness retreat. He <laughs> finds out he's been. He they're they're going to move on, and then he's got he. I, I truly believe one of the number one goals of his career, not number one, but near the top, he yeah. did not want to go out like Brett Favre did. Absolutely. And he went out exactly like Brett Favre did. Exactly. Lillard is, is is walking down a potentially dangerous path if this is going to be a multi-year problem.
0: You're right. Tim Legler, by the way, Joe Formal, Freddie Coleman on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Tim Legler, when we had a chance to fill in our first take today, ESPN NBA analyst, he said, I know if I'm Damian Lillard, and he applauds that he wants to stay and try to win in a place and win a championship there with his team. But he said, when are you going to be sick and tired of seeing other people's parades? Whether well, it's Nikola Jokic in Denver, LeBron James of the Los Angeles Lakers, Steph Curry the Golden State Warriors, Kawhi Leonard of the Toronto Raptors. Your peers have been in more championships than you have, and he hasn't gotten there. He wonders, when will Damian Lillard look himself in the mirror and say, I'm tired of seeing somebody else's parade on display, and I'm not part of that parade, when the opportunity could be there to go to a Miami Heat team, and then you get a chance to be at the front of that parade and not watch it on TV anymore.
2: I mean, you go back and think about some of it. 2018, 2019, he won a seven-game series over Jokic and the Nuggets. Absolutely. Like, he, he's beaten that guy in the playoffs. On he's the road, been by in the, the a, way, in
0: game seven. On the road. Yeah.
2: He, he's been in a situation where he's been in the conference finals and he's lost to the Warriors who have gone on to win the title the next round. He, mm-hmm. he is aware of this. He has been through the ringer with all that stuff. He's seen other people get it. He's been close. It's time to think, why not me? Why can't I get this done?
0: And Because no one is going to look at Damian Lillard and say, how dare you? go after a team and ring chase or whatever term they love to use. No one is going to look at that and say that after 11 years of what he's put in with the Portland Trail Blazers, Joe, people are going to say you earned the right that if you want to go somewhere else and have a better chance of winning a championship, no one is going to pull that on you like they pulled that on the Kevin Durant to the world and the LeBron James of the world. No one's going to do that to Damian Lillard. But the question is, what is he going to do about it? If he stays, no one wants to hear it. If he leaves, nobody's going to blame him when it's all said and done. Canty and Carlin comes your way next. You got Aaron Goldhammer, Vanessa Richardson in for the guys today. For Joe Fortenbaum, Freddie Coleman, thanks for joining us at Fitz and Harry on the mighty ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM, Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.